All right. Psalm 96, um, one, of, one of the psalms that we actually read fairly regularly here as a call to worship. Um, throughout the year, we have our elders, or our elders sort of rotate week to week um, on who gets up here at the beginning and reads the call to worship and closes out the benediction. This just happens to be my week to do that. Um, but we have our elders in rotation doing that. But one of the psalms that we have read pretty, pretty much at least once a month is Psalm 96. And there's a good reason for that um, because the psalm is all about uh, God's worthiness of our worship. It's all about how worthy God is of being worshiped um, from every person in every nation, from every tribe and language of the earth. Uh, we're going to see that theme come out in this consistently throughout the psalm, that God is worthy to be worshipped from every person in every country, in every language, uh, and th- that we get to display that through him. And, but the reason that he's worthy of that worship, as the psalm will show us, is because of who he is and because of what he's done. God is worthy of worship foundationally because of who he is. And who he is has led him to do the things that that he does for us. And then we get to respond to that in worship. And so it's sort of interesting um, that in this particular psalm, we see those three things. We see who God is and we see what he's done and we see our response to it. But it's it's actually in reverse order. Uh, it starts with uh, how we respond, and then it talks about what he's done, and then it talks about who he is. And so it's sort of an interesting thing there. If you're, if you're a logical person, it almost seems like it's a backwards logic, but it's not. It's just another way of getting our hearts to understand that from beginning to end, A to Z, Alpha, Omega, God is worthy of worship and no matter how you slice it, no matter how you get there, he is worthy of it because of who he is, because he's what, of what he's done. And that should lead us to respond accordingly. So let's just look at this psalm together. Um, it's, we're going to start in verse 1 um, and 2. And we'll just kind of see first our response, the call for us to respond to God. It starts this way. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. So so here we see this this call to to respond to God through worship, right? Through singing songs, through blessing his name, through uh, just giving our hearts to him. And what's amazing here is that this is the, we're going to see this over and over again, um, but in verse 1, at the, the last few ver- words there is, all the earth, all the earth. This is a universal call for all people everywhere, no matter where they're from, no matter uh, what language they speak, no matter what families they come from, all of us are called to worship the Lord. And this is going to be the recurring theme throughout the psalm, which is interesting in the, in the historical context of the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is a, is a book that was written 
by Israelites for Israelites in worship. And uh, we, we think about the Old Testament people of Israel and they were God's chosen people, right? God of all the nations in the world, of all the people in the world, God specifically called out Abraham and said, Abraham, you are going to be the father of my nation. And, and in fact, from there, he says, you're going to be the father of many nations. Uh, you, you, and he, but he's going to go, he calls this man out and he has children who have children and, and that family grows and grows and grows to become what we know as the people of Israel. But even though Israel had a, has, has and had a unique place in God's economy, uh, in God's uh, plan for the world, e- even though that is true, God always had a universal plan for all people. This was not something new. This, this was something that has been from even in the Abrahamic uh, covenant, it, that, that relationship that God created with Abraham, we see the nations mentioned there and that, that through Abraham's offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And we know that that's a fulfillment uh, in Jesus, right? That that's fulfilled in Jesus. But God has always been a God that has loved the nations, loved all people, and has wanted them to be saved. And so here is this call. It, God cared about it so much, in fact, that when, when he instructed Solomon to build the temple, he had Solomon build a courtyard uh, for the Gentiles within the temple. Uh, part of the plan was to have the Gentiles given a place to worship this God and to come to him. And we know that over time, uh, that the importance of that faded from Israel's minds. By the time that Jesus came into the world, they had converted, renovated the courtyard of the Gentiles into a place where they would sell their animals and exchange the money. And that's why Jesus freaked out and flipped the tables. You remember that story? He gets really mad. Well, the reason why he got so mad was because he, the, the people in charge in those days had turned the courtyard of the Gentiles into a place to make a profit. And God, and God is un, very unhappy with that. So Jesus gets in there and, you know, trashes the joint. So, um, and, that, and that was good. That's, that was the heart of God in that moment. God loves the nations. God loves all people. And we're going to see that throughout this. And so there's this universal call to, to save um, people and to see them worship God. That's what we're seeing. We're going to go on from there. So we've seen our response is sing to the Lord, bless his name, worship him. Now, why do we do that? Well, it's because of what God has done, right? That's the next thing we're going to see. Look at the second half of verse 2. It says, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. And peoples is plural there, which is interesting because we don't use the word peoples most of the time. We use people, right? But peoples is, is meant to be an inclusive every person on the earth, all the nations, all the peoples, right? And, and so here you see not only our response to who God is, but what we ought to, to do. We ought to tell 
of his salvation and declare his glory and his marvelous works among all the peoples. Our, our response to God is worship and it's also a proclamation of his greatness. We are to worship him and we are to tell of him. But we are to tell of him uh, uh, very specifically of his salvation, his marvelous works, his glory, right? And so what we're telling people about and what really ought to draw our hearts to Jesus in worship is the fact that he has saved us, that he has done marvelous things for us, that he has shown us his glory, and, and all of that is what should compel our hearts to worship him. Our worship flows from what he's done for us. And what he's done for us is he has saved us. And he has saved us through coming into the world as Jesus Christ, God became a man. How, just, that's bonkers, right? But it's so incredible that God would become one of his creation to save them from their sins. It is a marvelous work that, that Jesus Christ entered into our world. God of very God became man and lived among us. C.S. Lewis in his book, Miracles, um, which it's not like a confusing thing what he's talking about there. He's writing about miracles, okay? He, he just calls it what it is. Um, in that book, he has an incredible chapter or two uh, on on the incarnation, meaning the, the coming of Jesus into, into human form. And what he talks about in that book, is it'll just blow your mind, it's so great, but he talks about how the greatest miracle that God ever performed was the incarnation of Jesus because all other miracles flow from that. So what God was doing in the Old Testament time in parting the Red Sea or providing water from a rock or giving people manna to eat in the wilderness and all these wonderful signs and miracles that he had done for the people of Israel um, were all meant to point them to Jesus. In fact, the New Testament directly connects all of that to Jesus and, and that Jesus was the rock that was struck and brought water out of it. That's what Paul says. And, and that Jesus himself says that the manna that came from heaven to feed the people was meant to point them to the true bread of life in himself. Uh, we, we see the miracles of Jesus. It's all about him. But the miracle of miracles, the marvelous work among all the marvelous works of God is the, is the fact that Jesus Christ, the very creator God who made all of us, became one of us. He entered into our lives he entered into our world, and, and, and through him we are saved. And that salvation should lead us not only to worship, but to tell others, to declare and to tell of all these things. So we've seen his, uh, our response is worship because of what he's done in, in saving us, but what we also need to understand is that God saved us because of who he is. And that's the next progression. It's our response to what Jesus has done because of who he is. Look at the next verse, verse 4. For or because, could be translated because, great is the Lord. 
and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. And so here we see what is fundamentally God's character. Who God is. Because who God is leads to him doing what he does for us, which leads to us responding to him in worship. So who is God? What is mentioned here? We're just going to go through some things really quickly. The first thing that he's described as is great and greatly to be praised. Great has, uh, we, we think of great as like the best of good, right? Like there's good and then there's great, and that's true, and that does apply. But greatness here, I think, is more leaning towards his power, his might, his ability, his strength, right? And, and so when we sing of our great God, what we're talking about is a God who has the ability to save terrible people like me, like you. God can actually change our hearts. Isn't that incredible? That God can change a human heart that hates him so deeply and he can get that heart to himself. Some of the, some of the best Christians are, are people that had started out as the worst sinners. And so we see this great God who is greatly to be praised because he is so powerful to save. We're told as well that he is to be feared. Now, feared doesn't mean that he should, he's scary and we should hide from him, but rather that we should be inspired to awe, to just absolute, just unbelievable. I cannot believe who this God is. He's incredible. And fear is this deep respect and awe of who God is because of who he is. We're told here that he's majestic. He, he's, he's just glorious to behold. He is strong. He's beautiful. He's holy and set apart from, his, from all other things in creation. We, we see that who he is is what leads him to do what he does. That he saves us on the basis of his name. You know, it's interesting when you read the Old Testament and, and we read through the, the history of Israel and we go, man, how did God have so much patience for these people? Right? We, we all would have just wiped them off the map a hundred times over. But there were, there were many, many times in the Old Testament where God um, does not do what people deserve him to do. And what he says when asked about it is that it is for my name's sake that I, that I keep you alive, that I preserve you. He's not doing it for their sake. He's doing it for his name's sake. Now, what, it means, what that means is uh, that his name is rooted in his character. It's rooted in who he is. And so what God is saying there is that I'm going to do all of these things for you because of who I am. 
because it's about me. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about who he is and what he's done. And so our response then should be to praise and to worship and to proclaim and to tell of his, of his great glory. It goes on to, to express that. So it kind of goes back and reverts back to um, here's how we should respond. Verse 7 says this, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Again, universal language for all people everywhere. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. So there's the worship. There's the response of our hearts to who God is and what he's done. But then we also get to not just praise him, but we get to proclaim him. Look at verse 10. It says, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. And he will judge the peoples with equity, with fairness. And so here we, we're, we're told to ascribe to the Lord all these things because of who he is and what he's done. And then we're told to proclaim it, to say among the nations, the Lord reigns. We're to tell, we're to go and tell of his greatness. Um, and, and so that is the heart of the psalm. It's, it's a, foundationally, it's a missionary psalm. It's, it's not just for missionaries, it's for all Christians everywhere. But, but we have a very specific view here of the nations, of people from outside of our own nation. And of course, we, we love to talk here about evangelism and, and being on mission and talking to our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends about Jesus. Of course, that's always true. These are not one against the other, but it's just as true that we, that we need to see people go and proclaim his glory among the nations. It goes on to say in verses 11 through 13, it says, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and his peoples in his faithfulness. And so here we see that the, the response of the world that God has made, the world is doing what God made it to do, to proclaim him and to worship him. We're seeing this happen, right? The heavens, that's the stars in the sky, the, the universe around us. The heavens and the earth should rejoice and be glad. The sea and everything in it should roar his praise. The field will exalt and everything in the field and the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord. They, they, the world is worshiping their creator, its creator. And we're called to enter into that. We're called to do that as well. 
We're the only part of his creation that has rebelled against him. And so all the animals and the trees and the rocks and everything else, they're doing what they were made to do. Now, they're still affected by sin and brokenness, right? They still die and get sick or fall down from windstorms or whatever else. But the, the world is doing what the world was created to do. We are being invited in to do what we were created to do, which is to praise him and proclaim him. Jesus has done great things, and he's worthy of worship. He is worthy of telling people about him. And here's the thing that I, I really just want to hit on this, this morning. Um, it's this, this, this theme that's throughout the whole psalm. You see it. You see the nations, the families of the people, uh, the, the peoples mentioned over and over again. And what this is pointing us to is this reality, that Jesus Christ wants to save everyone from everywhere. He is for the globe. He's for the nations. He came into the world to save people from everywhere. We, I'll take you to a couple places to show you that in the New Testament. Let's flip over to Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. Um, this is one, you know, a few verses here that, that really highlight this. And then we'll, uh, we'll also look at Revelation 7 as well, but we'll get there in a second. Titus 1, or excuse me, Titus 2, 11 through 14. Here's what it says. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. For all people. Where Titus was, was a pastor that Paul had trained and, and was writing this letter to help him pastor his church. But his church was in Crete, which is a little island nation off of the coast of Greece. The, the, the people in Crete were not Jewish. They were Gentiles. But salvation is for them as much as it's for everyone else. The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This paragraph tells us, it shows us what God has done, and it shows us that God has done that because of who he is. We see that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And that salvation trains us to renounce ungodliness, to, to live good lives, to, to be zealous for good works. But all of that flows from who God is. Notice that what Paul says in verse 14, it says that he gave himself for us to redeem us. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped past that. Uh, sorry, verse 13, I was reading 14. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God, that echoes what we just saw about God in Psalm 96, the greatness of God. But look at what it says, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ is our great God and Savior. Jesus Christ is described here as our great God and Savior. He is, he is the one that is being written of in Psalm 96. Of course, we know we have a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all equal. They're, they're all eternal. They, they've all been there forever. But there is a uniqueness in Jesus in the sense that he is the one that we can see, that, that, that came into the world to be one of us. And so there's a uniqueness in relationship there. But we know that all three members of the, of the Godhead are at work in our salvation, that the Spirit of God convicts us to respond to Jesus, and Jesus brings us to the Father. And we see that all working in, in harmony. And so, but we see here the, the, the grace of God has appeared for all people. And in fact, it's, it's hard to see that sometimes. It's hard to see that, especially when you live like where we do, which is generally pretty homogenous, meaning we're all, you know, pretty much from one kind of context, culture, you know, we're, we're not, there's not a lot of diversity. Let's put it that way. There's some, and that should be celebrated, but there's not a lot. But, but when you get to step outside of kind of your normal thing and see what God is doing around the world, it, is, it, it just opens your eyes and, and I think inspires us to praise. Uh, we, Crystal and I, we were, like I mentioned at the beginning, we were in Florida this week. We, we didn't go there for a vacation. We went there uh, for a conference that uh, our, our church's network, the Acts 29 network, which we belong to, um, is a, it's a global church planting network. We call ourselves a global family of church planting churches. And we get together once every two years to celebrate what God has done. And we, we got to gather with 1,300 people representing 800 churches, 54 countries, a bunch of languages. I don't even know how many... Um, and it was just incredible to worship with Europeans, Africans, Guatemalans, Mexicans, Australians, New Zealanders. It, it really is an incredible thing, and it opens your eyes. We, we, we were able to sing songs of worship in Spanish and African languages. It was just a great thing. It was a great thing. It's not that it has to be the the thing we do all the time or in every, every context, but it's, it's an amazing opportunity to come and see it. And it does give you a picture of where all this is heading because heaven is going to look like that. It's going to be made up of people from all places, with all languages, with all tribes. And we get to see a glimpse of that in Revelation chapter 7. Here's what it says uh, in Revelation 7, 9 through 12. It's just a short paragraph. I'll read it to you. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Think about that. Remember, now that echoes back. Here's, I'm putting on my theology nerd hat here for a second. But that echoes back to Genesis chapter 12, where, where God tells Abraham, look up at the sky and try and count the stars. And, and Abraham, of course, can't count all the stars. And God tells him, someday your family is going to outnumber even those. 
Think about that. So here we're seeing the glimpse of that, this great multitude of people that no one could number. There were so many, just like you couldn't number the stars in the sky by trying to count them with the, with the naked eye, you couldn't count this crowd. And look at what this crowd is made up of. From every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. That's a reference to their holiness in Jesus. With palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. Now, here's the really trippy part of this is that what John saw included you and me if we're followers of Jesus. That's what's so crazy about this. <laughs> it's like we can look at it kind of from, but we're in that crowd. Like somehow, weirdly, right? John's getting a vision of what will be and, and we'll all be there. And if we if we've trusted Jesus, that's our, that's our destiny. But we're gonna be around the throne of God with a multitude that no one can number from all these tribes and all these languages and all these peoples because God is great and greatly to be praised. Because God has brought salvation through Jesus Christ. And, and so I really just kind of want to wrap our time up today by showing you guys a, a video uh, that, that was played at the global gathering at the Acts 29 thing we were just at. Um, and it's, uh, it actually highlights one of, my, one of my friends and actually one of our, the missionaries that we support and we've been supporting for for the last year or so. Um, they made a video about him and his wife Amanda's story. And uh, it's there, so that, just to set it up, they're down in Guatemala um, and sharing the gospel, planting churches, doing great things. Um, but it's a, it's a little bit, it's about seven minutes long, so I'm, I'm trying to keep mindful of the time, but we'll, we'll play that. I want you to watch it, just see it, because I think it, it, it's good to step outside of your own context and see what God is doing in other parts of the world. And uh, once we're done with that, I'll, I'll come up and I'll close our time and wrap up what we're doing. So, uh, Dwayne, you can go ahead and hit that video. Entre las dificultades que tenemos, tenemos que siempre perseverar y luchar y, y siempre tener la confianza en aquel quien llevó todo en, en aquella cruz para nuestra salvación. Murió por mí, rodó su sangre, y por su sangre hoy creo que soy salvo por su misericordia, por su gracia. Y esto lo, es mi historia de lo que he recibido de Dios. When we came to Guatemala, and um, we didn't know anyone, we came into the village, I wanted to share the gospel, but at the same time I was really scared. Uh, there was a school being built in one of the villages, and there was two construction workers uh, that were working on it. 
And so I would kind of go towards them, like I'm gonna share the gospel. And then I get a little scared and I just kind of walk around them. And it got to the point where I got hungry. And so um, I bought like a family pack of uh, chicken and I decided that I was gonna go and just eat with them and, uh, and, and talk to them about Jesus. And uh, I just, I made it like a deadbolt. Like I'm just gonna walk straight to them and uh, ask them if they wanted to eat. And uh, they said, yeah. And so I just, that's kind of how it started. Moving to Guatemala was nerve-wracking at first, but it's something that I had been prepared to do. More than anything, the church is confused. There's such a need for healthy churches to be planted, and especially in places like this in rural Guatemala where there aren't very many churches, much less healthy churches. We originally didn't come to, uh, to, to plant a church. We came um, to share the gospel. It kind of got to the point where there was uh, several people accepting Christ as their savior that, that I realized um, that, hey, we, we need to, if we want this thing to, to last or, or to go beyond a man and I, then we need to raise up uh, pastors, we need to raise up uh, deacons and leaders. Acts 29 played a, a pivotal role in, in, in our story. Um, when, when we came down and, and we just wanted to share the gospel and we saw people starting to get saved, um, I really didn't know uh, anything about how to plant a church um, at all. I mean, I couldn't have even told you what the difference between a Bible study and a church was. Uh, and so th the assessment process was unbelievably thorough and unbelievably great. We have probably about 25 adults that, uh, that are members and probably around 20 to 30 um, kids um, that, that, come, that come to church. Some of the, the, the villagers just started giving and asking how they can give. So a lot, most of our tithes are in corn, uh, bean. Um, we've been given a, given a pig and, and, and raised it and sold it uh, and, and used those funds to, to buy you know, chairs or, or, or take care of different needs within the congregation. I think the biggest encouragement to me is Caetano and his family and just seeing how God has transformed their lives and how he's continuing to use them to be a part of what we're doing here. Eh, mi nombre es Cayetano Cardona y vivo acá en el parcelamiento Los Chilitos, un lugar donde hemos trabajado mucho. Eh, esta es mi humilde casa. Soy esposo de una esposa acá, donde hemos trabajado, padre de cinco hijos. Es triste y difícil vivir en una comunidad, en una aldea como esta. Hay que salir muy lejos para trabajar y tener uno el dinero para comprar azúcar, jabón, para tener frijol, por lo menos, y su maíz para la tortilla sacrificarse uno demasiado, personas que aguantan, personas que mueren muy pronto. Antes de conocer a Cristo Jesús, mi vida no era correctamente bien, pero surgió algo muy alegre porque vi a unos hermanos que vinieron a esta aldea y primera fue mi esposa la que ella recibió ese mensaje. Y una tarde ellos vinieron a mi casa, comenzaron a, a predicar y a orar y me dijeron si quería aceptar a Cristo. 
Y yo, entró algo a mi corazón muy fuerte y les dije, sí, quiero aceptar a Cristo. El deseo es salir con pasión y ir a predicar el Evangelio alrededor de nuestra aldea, Huilapa, Barberena, eh, como muchos lugares alrededor. Eh, ese es mi anhelo, seguir a Cristo con pasión y salir, salir con pasión a predicar su palabra, sea aquí, sea allá, sea donde Él quiera. I feel like if we only planted one church, it, it would kind of be like a failure uh, in the sense that um, we, I feel like I wouldn't have trained them correctly to be able to make disciples and make disciples and make disciples. There's so many villages and there's so many people that don't know Jesus and uh, there's so many people, uh, there's just a lot of people who are lost, you know, and there's a lot of people who um, are, are sinking into an eternal darkness. And so we're called to push back what's dark in this world and give people an opportunity to, to be saved. We're in a battle over the eternal destiny of immortal souls. I mean, we have to, to, to give people an opportunity to know Jesus as their savior. Whether they're born in a village or, or a city or, or wherever they might be in, in, in any corner of the world, that there would be a, a church there that they could go to and hear the gospel and be saved. So we can't just, it can't end here. We have, we have to go. All right, I'm gonna get around these. Um, <clears throat> so that, that's uh, Mitch and uh, Cayetano, and Cayetano is um, gonna be taking over the, as pastor of the church that Mitch just planted a couple years ago, and Mitch and Amanda are gonna go and do it again in another village. Um, so we, we just get to be a part of this global family of churches in Acts 29. They're doing great things, and, uh, but they're doing it because of Jesus, because of the gospel, um, because of the salvation that we have through him. So I just wanted to show you that, let you see a glimpse of, of what he's doing somewhere else because um, it's an amazing thing. And God is doing that. That's not unique. That's one of millions and millions and millions of stories like that. We have a great God. So we're going to continue to sing to him and respond to him and worship him uh, today um, and just praise him for how he has saved us, for what he's done, for who he is, and for how he's working in far places around the world. Um, so we'll, we'll sing to him. We'll participate in communion as well. Um, so let me just kind of close it with this. We're, we're going to take uh, some time to, to sing a few songs and we're also going to take time to participate in what Jesus has called us to as his followers, and that is to remember him at the Lord's table. And, and this is foundationally what it's all about, right? That Jesus died for our sins. And what communion reminds us of is that, that he died for our sins, that his body and blood were shed on the cross, that he did that for us. And so our response to that is not how great am I, but how great is he, that he would do that for us. And so we would just encourage you, if you're a believer in Jesus today, 
and would like to participate with, with us, there's a table set up in the front, there's a table set up in the back, and you're welcome to go and partake as you feel led over the next few songs. You don't have to wait for instructions. You can just get up and go as the songs are being sung. Um, and so we'd invite you to do that. There's also uh, a box next to each of those tables that you can drop tithes or offerings into if you've come with those and would like to do that. And by the way, I do want you to know we are financially supporting Mitch and Amanda. And we're actually going to be increasing that a little bit because I was talking to Mitch and he, his goal is to have Cayetano be fully funded as a pastor so that he can focus on the church and lead people to Christ and disciple them and study the word. And I said, well, Mitch, what's it going to take to, to let Cayetano do that? What, what is it going to cost? He said, oh, 200 a month. I, don't, I make a lot more than 200 a month. You do too. But so I said, done. We're, we're, we can just do that. Like that's not that hard to do. We can let Cayetano ha- provide for his family and lead the church for $200 a month. It's a no-brainer. So uh, just to let you know, like, we don't just take money and like, keep it in here. We send it. We send as much of it as we can do. Um, and so that's, that's just a reality. I just want you to know that. Uh, but that's visually, you just saw some of the people that are receiving a portion of what you give uh, to the church. So uh, be encouraged by that. But anyways, I will, I will close us in prayer. I'll invite the worship team to come up and then we'll, we'll sing together and partake of the Lord's table. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your great grace to us. We thank you that you have done a great thing to save us, that you have brought us to yourself. We thank you that you've done it here, that you're doing it in Los Chalitos, Guatemala, that you're doing it in countless other places around the world. And we pray that our hearts would sing and be glad in you today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.